the real turning point was I had applied via referral. Again, someone else in my old bootcamp network it was referred to a role. I got past the initial screen, made it to the onsite. And this is the first time I'd ever kind of gone to like a gauntlet, like a gauntlet style, where it's kind of like, okay, you're going to be like, all the interviewing, like five minutes of disinfrared session, like two senior engineers per. I didn't even make it past lunch. It was like the first time where it was almost kind of embarrassing for anyone else, but I came away with it. I went home. I was kind of like, that was the straw that raised the camel back. Like, I don't want to feel that ever again. Welcome to the Exponential Growth Podcast, where we demystify what it takes to break into tech. I'm your host, James Hudnall, and my goal is to highlight real-life examples of people moving into careers they love, so you can too. Hey everyone, today I'm joined by Andy Wong, a senior software engineer at Square. Now before I landed my role at LinkedIn, I came across several spicy posts by Andy, encouraging people from non-traditional backgrounds to really lean in and leverage their unique skills to break into tech. If we can trust his LinkedIn headline, it looks like he's also worked at Amazon and Google, and I'm excited to dive in and learn more about Andy alongside the rest of you. Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, James. I'm happy to be here. I'm looking forward to this. I know you reached out to me in February, but I think at that time I was actually still on leave with taking care of my uh, second daughter. So I was definitely happy when you kind of circled back. Otherwise, I would have circled back with you definitely as soon as I came back. And yeah, so I can just do a quick introduction about myself. You're Please. basically spot on there. Currently a senior software engineer at Block, formerly known as Square, more specifically with Cash App. So working more on the consumer side. Before that, I worked at Google previously, working in the Google Flights uh, department. Before that, I was working at Amazon in their pharmacy arm, which is actually a pretty uh, recent acquisition at the time. And just scaling back chronologically, I worked at Wayfair for a few years, so an e-commerce company that sells furniture. And then we're riding really far back, uh, but when I first started in this career about eight years ago, I spent three years at a uh, digital marketing, I guess, startup? Digital marketing company that happened to have like an in-house engineering team that worked on its products. Uh, it's been an eventful eight years, yeah. know, I'd say. Yeah, no, it sounds like it. So Amazon, Google, and now Block, you must have started coding by the age of five and gotten your master's in CS from Stanford, no? I wouldn't even say I wish. Yeah. I was I'm physically located in Boston, the greater Boston area. So I was born and grew up here. My exposure to computers, uh, I wanted to say probably the same as many folks, computer lab in their school. You have like classes now and then, and you basically use that to like learn how to use a word processor and maybe like play some games. You know, not that you're supposed to, but that you just found yeah. games that you could play online afterward. Um, but I think really uh, my history with computers kind of started, I want to say like preteen years. You know, I'm the youngest of three, and so I have two siblings. They're about nine and 11 years older than me, respectively. Uh, my brother was the one who went on the more typical path. Uh, he actually is a computer engineering graduate from MIT. Uh, he's a principal engineer now at iRobot. But you know, just by virtue of me being the youngest and me having like all the hand-me-downs, you know, I'd kind of get his his old, outdated computers and claim them as my own. Yeah. You know, same with my sister's stuff. So, um, you know, I mean, I never really imagined myself as a programmer just because I had that 
model in the family for like, okay, here's the path to get into it. Um, so I think like many of my peers, like you kind of have this almost like arch like an archetype for how you end up being a programmer, but, you know, but I didn't really program until I guess like, you know, I, I, I'd taken some classes in high school just because, you know, when you're in high school, when you, or when you don't really know what you want to do, you just kind of figure out, okay, well, you know, there's these honors and these AP classes. You just like pick whatever, yeah. because my school kind of had like a, like a weighted GPA system. So basically you just go like, okay, whatever, whatever are the classes that eventually lead to like advanced placement or whatever you want to call it, that give you like a higher, like higher points for your effort. Like just go do that. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just blindly jumped into, like we had a, uh, a Java class in high school. Okay. I want to, I want to say that I was great at it. I was one of the worst students. <laughs> really? I was probably one of the worst CS students up until I basically started. Interesting. A little bit, yeah. So yeah. like, I, I learned a little bit of Java in high school. Didn't think much of it. When going to college, I knew I really enjoyed AP Psych and English when I was in high school. So I just kind of followed that path. I want to say I was like really self-assertive and like knowing myself all the well. I did it, we didn't. Yeah. I, I was very much just kind of like a very token scholarly type. You just kind yeah. of like, okay, like get the A's, figure out what you like doing, just keep on doing that. Right. Coming out of graduation from uni, I basically was like, okay, I'm here, school's over. Like, what do I do now with this degree in like liberal arts that I don't really what well, can I ask you about that? So maybe graduating high school when you made that decision to, I think you went to Tufts and it yeah. looks like you got a bachelor's in clinical psychology and English. I'm very curious about that. It sounds like maybe that wasn't a completely conscious decision. What was there a reason that you picked that as opposed to others? I mean, my favorite teachers at the time were in those subjects. Okay. But I mean, I, I think starting like, like late elementary school, like basically end of middle school, I kind of realize that like no i kind of like writing hmm. i think about it, it's like kind of like a very immature thought process like oh yeah i like i like this let's choose a major and settle on that for you know however long but yeah you know it was just kind of like what i enjoyed and i when you're young you kind of like paint a mental picture of like how you're going to be in the future like oh yeah someday i'll be like a great novelist nah. yeah turns out that's not the best idea in practice unless you're like you know jk rowling but even you know jk rowling has her problems nowadays yeah um, or you know uh you pick psychology and yeah you can visualize yourself as like a therapist and i you know to my credit i was sort of like the the therapist type in my you know group of friends um, okay you know i just loved like sitting down and listening to people's stories yeah especially if they had like some baggage because i'm like oh okay because i feel just not even inside psych but there's like a real therapeutic value to both listening and speaking yeah and so i knew those were sort of like the keystones and i want to say i still practice those skills and sort of my day-to-day -day. it's just sort of like not in the way that i'd plan so yeah. it's in a roundabout way i kind of reached my reached my goals for how to like envision myself it just so happens that i'm doing all that through the medium of a computer screen yeah yeah and i've got to say andy just reading your linkedin posts i'm not sure how much of that style you picked up from college or if you've kind of just learned that over the years or perhaps a mix of both but uh, i definitely would agree that i don't think any of that was a was a waste because you're you know your posts not to not to get too off track but they're so they're so engaging and they're not i don't want to call them controversial but you're not afraid to i guess to 
to broach the elephant in the room, so to speak, on different subjects. And I love that about your writing style. Have you always kind of been that way? Not necessarily. I honestly, I love talking about content creation. It's such a relief when someone like schedules a one-on-one -on -one with me because I do just off during my lunch hour, basically, I just yeah. do like free uh, coaching and mentoring. And I always love when someone like, you know, when we reach a point of the conversation where we've done all the technical chatter and then someone just is like, so tell me more about the content side. So yeah, nice. of course. You know, I say with writing, just like good software development, you get better at it with practice, but you also get better at it when you kind of like know yourself a bit. Like when you know what is your voice and what is your niche. I think when I was younger, I definitely wrote, you know, made content in a way that felt a little bit more inauthentic. Like, you know, use a lot of big words and synonyms and just try to sell like a smarty pants. Um, but that isn't really like speaking your voice. And I think right. I kind of started to crack that a little bit more when I was in college, when you just like, kind of like have, you know, more dedicated subject teachers, where you kind of figure out like, okay, well, how you, if you tip away the paint a little bit, how can you kind of get more of like your, kind of like your voice and style to your writing? So like I did several years of creative writing and that's just kind of like writing stories making up characters making up like personas but you know i found that really the stories that were most resonated with my classmates were those that were like very almost like nakedly intimately tied to just kind of like your personal experiences mm. and so when i was thinking about you know writing for like on linkedin i think that was sort of me kind of leaning on what I knew kind of worked and trying to use that as like the medium to introduce what I thought was sort of like a lack of like nuance to the platform. So like a little bit about, about my content creation background, you know, if, if this wouldn't be too much of a swerve, yeah, no, going please. Off track, but I started really writing. I mean, I've had my profile since like senior year of like college because, you know, that was when they kind of had seminars. I'm like, here's how you, leverage the internet to kind of like supercharge your, you know, career opportunities. So I've had my profile forever, but I didn't really use it until, um, I want to say when I was at Amazon. So it was early 2021 or so. This was early in the pandemic. And at my previous company, uh, Wayfair, you know, they had gotten hammered pretty hard early on. They had like really early layoffs. And so um, I was kind of, kind of really spurred because I had some like former teammates, former friends who kind of laid off and I was kind of like, this is terrible. Like I, I feel like, you know, I've gotten out, but you know, my job's not really done. Like I had done mentorship. Actually, I got more invested in mentorship when I was at Wayfair because I was basically doing like in-house consulting for a cohort of like, basically like new, like soon to be new hires that we were kind of like bringing on. And there were, you know, we partnered with this um, one program called Resilient Coders. I'm now getting too off topic. Basically, I was in a place where I felt like I had exercised this mentorship muscle and I felt kind of an obligation to help folks who had been in my shoes not too long ago to find greener pastures. And I think, you know, you, you reach out to folks, you tell them like, okay, well, you know, here's hiring, who's hiring, here's... Um, what's kind of the interviews are like here's how it differs from Wayfair and I think you know that combined with you know a few a little bit later afterward 
you know, I start seeing the results of that work. Um, and so I think that was sort of like the, the catalyst is like knowing like, okay, I'm on to something here. Yeah. Um, so I think that was sort of where I kind of figured out like, okay, I've got something going here. So I knew like, okay, I wanted to get into the space, the space that like we're operating in, like helping others, but I had to figure out an angle. That's kind of like the outline, but I feel with writing, like you know what motivates you and then you figure out your niche yeah. and then you figure out how to grow things out and like get, connect the dots a little bit. So like um, my thing was, you know, LinkedIn is kind of a funny platform where I feel like compared to like Facebook, Twitter, I don't know, who else was with the big players at the time? It felt like it was a really ripe area because there's a lot of consumers, but the ratio of like folks putting content out there yeah. was not as high. And I kind of felt like, especially for folks with like our background, there was like a vacuum missing, or maybe there was a vacuum or maybe there wasn't a vacuum, but like the content was sort of like lacking some of the more targeted like nuance and specificity that like I felt I would have liked. Yeah. Right. And there wasn't really a voice kind of representing at that time, like someone that I could relate to. Yeah. Like there were folks who, you know, were like really small time or, you know, they were X whatever, but they'd never actually gone through quite sort of like pivot, you know, that we're like, that we, we had been through. Yeah. Um, so I just felt like, you know, I, I told myself like before, like, okay, I'll, I'll get into it someday when I feel like I have something to provide. Yeah. But then I was, I realized like, oh wait, that time is now. Mm. And so let's just try this out. And I think my yeah. first like big post was actually a screenshot of someone, uh, not from Wayfair, but just someone I'd kind of helped organically from via LinkedIn. And um, it was just like a gratitude post. But I was mm -hmm. kind of like, I just put it up there. I asked for his permission, obviously, but yeah. you know, I cropped it out and put it up there because like, okay, this is like what I'm about. Nice. And that was sort of where things took off. And I kind of figured like, you know, you workshop it, the process from there, and you kind of figure, okay, as you're writing, okay, this is who I care about. And then yeah. this is what I'm going to say. And I'm going to do so in a way that feels authentic to me and to my yeah. audience. Because, yeah. you know, just I, I found that as I've matured, especially so as a person over the years, like, I've kind of bridged that gap between like, how I write, and how I talk. And I feel like it's one of the same. Like when I, when, I, when I write, when I create content, you know, I visualize like I'm talking to, you know, a drinking buddy. I don't drink, so but this is like a failed analogy, but I, I visualize <laughs> like I'm talking to a drink buddy. I'm thinking like, what am I actually gonna say to them? Like what, is, what sounds like me? And then I just take the conversation and just like print words. Like every mm. post that I write, like paragraph by paragraph, I'm like, okay, this was something that I would say to someone who I trust that's someone I feel really loose around. Yeah. Um, and I think it's worked out. I think that's where kind yeah. of where that's sort of like the rawness and the feeling and the sentiment. Like I make stupid jokes all the time. I make dad jokes all the time. I yeah. love referencing stuff that yeah. maybe not everyone gets, but that lands with like a particular niche of folks in a particular like agent demographic. So yeah, um, oh, I love it. I mean, you're authentic and I'm certainly not the only one that feels that way, Andy, because you got quite a big following and I'm curious on the on the subject of content creation, when you, you mentioned you, you did that big post after that, did you post with a regular cadence intentionally? Were you kind of just, when you had something to say, you posted, how has that evolved for you? I think early on it was, 
more so that I felt a, a need to say something. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, <laughs> this is myself super self-righteous, but you know, I, I, I'm motivated by like a sense of like justice for, you know, the community. I read something and I read it and I think this doesn't generally apply or there's like holes I can punch into it via, you know, just by personal experience, like there's an, there's a, there's asterisks that I, I can add to this. Yeah. But of course, you know, I had established some ground rules early on. I've read about this. Like, you know, I, I, I try very hard not to be toxic. I, I want to be as snarky and sarcastic as I can be sometimes. Don't be toxic. Don't diss anyone I've worked for because some folks leave a place and it's on sour terms. They'd never do that. Yeah. I want to be, I want to show that it's, there's, there's, a, there's a way, right? Um, you know, in the early processes of writing, I, more often than not, I might be like a little bit annoyed by something, hmm. but then I remind myself, like these are the ground rules. Like I have to figure out how to uh, take these strong emotions, these emotions, and carry it out in something that will be just like acceptable. And acceptable yeah. in most cases is just like funny. Yeah. Like early on, I was just like, you know, uh, write because you have a need, and then turn that need into like a punchline, so like, yeah. like you can enjoy it, the audience can enjoy it. It's almost like, and and because I write longer stuff, you know, um, that was sort of like the the trick that I want to give to audience members. It's like, you know, you have the intro, and you know, you have to click more. But long time readers, they know like they should keep reading because it gets yeah. better, and it's a punchline at the very end. Yeah, that's like the the, the reward reward at the end. So that was sort of yeah. my guiding light. It's kind of like, how do I make this approachable? But how do I make it in a way that is sort of like digestible, almost like demystifying yeah like this world that we occupy because there's a whole yeah. lot of it, i i feel bad for folks who come into the field sometimes because like there's so much noise and there's so many like conflicting opinions conflicting strong opinions and they're yeah. all pretty fair but they're yeah. all you got to know what's the context and you got to know who listened to when for what types of employment for what skill sets yeah and i've feel like i've done an okay job at kind of like levying leveling things out making yeah. things kind of easy, easier to interpret yeah no and that's usually what I, I advise as well is take the best bits and pieces and i always preface any conversation that i have or a coaching call or a coffee chat with anybody either already in the field or trying to get into it take everything anyone says including me with a grain of salt take it as a perspective and go fact check it and you know do your own due diligence but i think it's good to get a i guess an aggregate of different perspectives to help inform your own over time and going back to your style of content i love that you've got this as you mentioned long form content because to your point you know there's so much I don't want to say more of like the superficial, like capture the audience with the the opening hook and make them click more as you had alluded to. But, you know, you're living proof, Andy, that when you, you know, some of your posts are, I don't know how many characters they are, maybe a thousand, two thousand plus. It, it's funny. It LinkedIn increased like double the limit in like a year ago. And I was like, oh, great. This like, I, cause very early on, I was regularly hitting a limit. Right. And then one day I noticed like, oh, wait, this is longer. This is great. Mm. Like I'll, I'll never hit it again. I just hit the new limit. Nice. You just <laughs> write twice as much. I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes it was better when it was like shorter because my, yeah. my stuff was more focused. I'd like make it tweetable. Yeah. 
but you know it hasn't really you know no. if anything people just get, like latch on because it's more stuff to latch on to so i guess you know, yeah no you're absolutely getting the engagement I, I feel like your message is definitely resonating with with your target audience which is totally amazing so zooming out a little bit and i, I feel like we can keep touching on the content creation throughout your story i want to jump back to when you had or when you were graduating from college I want to know, because I didn't do these things, all the right things that we're supposed to do. Did you intern anywhere? Did you have a plan either in psychology, English, or perhaps even programming at that point right before graduation? I was totally planless. Hmm. Um, I was, you know, I've, I've been in the area, so I'm just living with my parents, trying to figure things out. I was getting a lot of help from my siblings because they kind of knew I was a little bit like butterless. Um, you know, I had like a brief, I had like a stint where I was, funny enough, so my first kind of like pseudo professional stint, I was writing for a Bleacher Report, which I'm sure some folks are probably familiar with that brand. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, I wrote for like the, one of those writers and also like the editors for like the Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, because this was like the, I think Kyrie Irving's rookie or sophomore year. Okay. I was I was like a kind of just a basketball fan, but honestly like a LeBron fan. Yeah. And I was kind of like, well, okay, no one's covering this team now that it's gone. I'll I'll do it. Um, so I was doing some writing like once a week, twice a week, and also in the background I was like editing a lot of articles. And I think um, that's a story in and of itself, like just getting into how you know behind the scenes companies like optimize articles for keyword searches and stuff. I different topic, different day. <laughs> but that was what I was doing, and then okay. I think the first breakthrough you know i had a friend um from college scott he we were from the facebook and he kind of put this opening like hey like i'm gonna be hosting this kind of workshop um where i'm gonna teach like the wamp stack and i was kind of like that's you know like you know sometimes you're scrolling through facebook it's just you know or linkedin or twitter like the, you have feed of stuff and nothing stands out but that stood out to me because it's like like i know you not as a programmer i know you as like this dance and comedy guy so i'm like yeah. okay this is this is weird, but kind of weird that I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I was sort of trying to figure out like, how do I pivot into better like writing opportunities, like right marketing opportunities. So it seemed like something at the intersection of like what I was doing in tech might be a good match just because, I mean, you, you can, any role you can kind of supplement with technical skills. So um, I think that was a breadcrumb really okay. like attending his kind of like workspace in person and just asking like, what the heck? Like, you, this is not your major. You weren't CS. Like, how'd you do that? Yeah. And uh, so he, we, I learned about this uh, little program. It was itself a startup. It was called Startup Institute. They had like four different tracks for like uh, front end, back end, web dev, marketing, and sales. And I was like, uh, and I asked him like, oh, this sounds like interesting. So it helped you get the job, right? Like, did you find it was worth it? And he was like, eh. he gave me the, bl the bluntest answer. He was like, yeah, actually, it probably wasn't worth it, but at the time it was free because they're still <laughs> trialing it. Right. So I was like, okay. And I looked up afterward, and it's because like, oh, okay, well, tuition's 5K now. So I'm like, what the heck? Mm -hmm. I thought it was free. But he did mention like the network was worth it. I think that's kind mm -hmm. of uh, spoiler alert huge for yeah. future employers. Like networking is everything. But um, I kind of like, you know, I was fortunate that I had a really supportive family, and I talked them into like, okay, just give me like, you know, pay off this pay this off on top of my existing loans that I taken out for school. And, you know, I promise I'll get into the field and pay everything back. Um, so that was kind of the start. So yeah, it was like a two months bootcamp, which, you know, I, I, you know, that's nowadays pretty short. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty, I want to say like, 
a lot like current programs, but just really truncated. I mean, they were still figuring a lot of things out. I think I was joining sure. was like the like one of the one of the first like five cohorts they ever did. Okay. This is back in like 2014, really yeah. early days of start of boot camps. And can, Andy, can I ask? So what yeah. I, I think you had kind of mentioned that the spark might have been that your friend didn't have that CS background and was still able to pivot. Was it that you saw through him that such a pivot was possible, coupled with the fact that you were really interested in the tech? Is that what kind of made you branch off in this direction? Yeah, because again, like, you know, growing up, you kind of have this mold and you see someone kind of break through in a in a way that you didn't think it was really possible. So I was seeing that and like I mentioned again, like at the time, I think I was actually also, um, I think what happened was I was applying for new like uh, roles in like the online journalism space. And I noticed actually that one role that I was interested in highlighted like, you know, bonus qualification, like some of those HTML, CSS. So I, hmm. I was going through uh, Code Academy at the time actually, okay. and just going through the content, like the content there, it kind of hit in my head. I was kind of like, oh wait, some of these concepts, they're familiar to me. And like, I went back to my old like notes from way back like high school. I didn't, big binder in the corner of my room. I was kind of like, this is magically kind of makes sense to me all of a sudden, mm. just because like, I can think my monkey brain has evolved enough to where like this stuff makes sense a little bit. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. That led directly into me kind of like working with Scott a little bit to kind of okay. figure out, oh, this is a path. And then from there it was sort of more, okay, just go through the program, you know, graduate, <laughs> had a few initial interviews. How did they go? We, we love talking about interviews, Andy. If you remember them, good, bad, indifferent, what did you learn? What's translatable? Uh, so I, I got a few interviews early on because like demo day, I had a really, I, I, I thought I had a pretty decent pitch. I was quoting, so I attributed this to like one of my favorite athletes. Those who don't know, I'm a big basketball head. I was a fan of the San Antonio Spurs. Their marquee player at the time was Tim Duncan. And mm -hmm. I learned through his background that when he was growing up, the model that he lived by was, you know, growing up in the Virgin Islands, you know, like a uh, good, better, best, never let it rest until your good is better and your better is your best. Mm -hmm. I opened my demo with that and I was like, score. And then, you know, you did the yada, 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 like, here's how I value that to you. So, um, you know, I got a few initial interviews from the demo day and those just kind of like, those didn't go well. Okay. I remember this one person who, introduced me to, I think their CTO. So this is basically for like a, a development agency. Okay. Like on a behavioral personality note, I think we kind of hit it off, but it was very apparent that like, outside of being a little bit overconfident, I didn't really have any technical skills. Cause I, okay. again, I was the worst student I would learn later. So that was sort of like a, a tough pill to swallow. Cause I was relaying like, oh yeah, no, like you're, you need to work a lot harder. Okay. And I think over the course of the next few months, you know, you have that little initial burst of interviews and you kind of get the same feedback, you know, yeah, a little bit, a little bit too green. I think it was a okay. common refrain. Um, you know, green was already my least favorite color, but after those projections, <laughs> I was like, okay, now I really don't like hearing the word green. Yeah. Can I ask you, um, Andy? So especially for those initial interviews, I guess we oftentimes don't know what we don't know. Mm -hmm. And when you were doing those before you got that, you know, a bit green feedback, did you realize what you didn't know? Did you kind of know that you were quote unquote green, but you were also trying to fake it until you make it? What was the thought process there? I think the last part, which is where okay. I kind of, I, I think I leaned a bit too into the fake it till you make it stuff okay. a little bit. I think I was a little bit too, I mean, just like the marketing stuff. Like I was, again, like 
thinking back to your early 20s, I was very naive about professional world of tech hiring. And so I don't think it really hit me until late 20, like late 2014. Okay. So basically from when I graduated late 2014, you know, I was kind of doing the blind, like selectively applying for stuff, thinking like, okay, I have some experience. I did kind of like a, a little bit of like unpaid freelancing. I had peers because again, Starcom student had multiple tracks. So some of the design, one of the designers was my friend and then she had, you know, a client that she did design for this website for. And I was basically implementing like the backend, making it a real thing. And I, I kind of figured like, I think it was six months out. Okay. So I think what happened, I noticed that a lot of my peers were in my same track were getting hired. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I think me and mother of the student who are still hadn't like gotten a full-time role yet. We both applied for the same kind of like program and kind of like a, you know, Hail Mary last ditch. He got in great, happy for him. I didn't hmm. boo, <laughs> but I thought that was the point was kind of like, okay, I'm missing something. Yeah. Luckily at that time, via my like alumni network, I had a alumni friend from previous cohort kind of say like, oh, hey, like, you know, I'm working on this uh, contracting opportunity, but I'm really looking to offload it. And they, you know, they probably got something better. And I, I think it was the first responder. I was just kind of like, yes, like, give me, yeah. give me, give me, give me, give me. A little bit over eager, but I think that was sort of like my big break. So basically they were working on a Ruby on Rails application. It was a uh, basically a social media platform and uh, it was basically, they were subcontracting. And so um, I actually, did, I didn't have to interview. They just kind of like did the chat, like talked me up a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the person who's leading the agency that she was subcontracting for, I think he was, you know, kind of person who uh, didn't really like signing contracts or just kind mm-hmm. of made it, you know, a little bit kind of like under the table almost. Okay. <laughs> so just like someone who was able, willing to work for like, at that time, I didn't know it was kind of charging a pretty low rate, but you know, someone yeah. willing to work for a really low rate and just kind of like, you know, not forcing anyone to sign child contracts or anything. Uh, I think it was cool, like, oh yeah, like bring them on. Just, yeah. In hindsight, I would say I was pretty lucky that I actually got pay within, you know, a week or two of when it was agreed upon. So, you know, it wasn't all that bad. Yeah, but um, I think that was the first opportunity where I was able to do like real production level like stuff. Okay. And I, I you know, I'd love to say that I was great at it, but no, I wasn't. Yeah. I did like inline CSS for everything. It was terrible. But just working and like seeing something hit production, and like being CC'd on emails with like stakeholders yeah. and being part of that full development life cycle. Yeah gave me that exposure and it gave me something to talk about Yeah. for one, like I going to be able to talk about something in depth, I think was big. So I did that for like end of 2014, early 2015. During that period, but, Andy, can I, can I ask aside yeah. from that contract work that you were doing, were you upskilling in any other capacity where was there, was leak code as big back then? Were you doing that at all? Or was it just like focusing on the work? focusing on the work. Okay. So it was a remote work. My, hey, my first role was remote. Nice. Back before it was fashionable. So I literally, I remember I would, you know, not even, I would say, I was just like, cause my laptop was all like right next to my desk, my bed. I was like, get, like, get up, grab my laptop, just turn everything on, just start like, wait, okay, what, what's the task for today? Yeah. It was very, <laughs> very caveman-y, but I, that was, it was good for a bit. I made some money. I started just, Finally, it all back my student loans, but then you know you hit a hit a gap where you realize like 
yeah, this, this feels like you're about really growing. Like mm-hmm. you need a, you need a team. Um, and I was right. Like I, I felt like I was doing great work. I needed a team. Like I, it was time. I got back on the interviewing wagon a little bit, um, but I still wasn't getting any any bites really. Okay. Like I could I could talk, but I wasn't really. I was still missing a pretty big fundamentals gap. And I think the real turning point was I had applied via referral again. Someone else in my old bootcamp network it was referred to a role. I got past the initial screen, made it to the onsite, and this is the first time I'd ever kind of gone to like a gauntlet, like a gauntlet style, where it's kind mm-hmm. of like okay, you're going to be all the interviewing, like five minutes of disinfrared session, like two senior engineers per. I didn't even make it past lunch. Mm. It was like the first time where it was almost kind of embarrassing for anyone mm. else. But I came away with it. I went home. I was kind of like, that was the straw that breaks the camel back. Like, I don't want to feel that ever again. Mm. And I just like, I rated my, you know, I asked my brother, like, just, just give me, just give me your, just give me your textbooks. Just give me your old college textbooks. Yeah. And I think I got like an uh, intro to algorithms, and I just like took like you know middle of the book, you know the important stuff like arrays, hashes, graphs, whatever. And I just, I think I read like something like like hundreds of pages in like the span of a week. Mm-hmm. I just like plowed like straight through it. I absorbed maybe like twenty percent of it. Sure. But that was enough to be like, okay, now I, some I get it. Yeah. And I told myself, okay, like, okay, whatever happens, I know, like, this was the time that I felt like, okay, I did everything that I felt like I could do as far as just, like the fundamentals prep stuff. Like, I don't know what else to do at this point. Yeah. Um, and I told myself, okay, the next interview, like the next kind of spike of interviews I do, that's going to be it. <laughs> like, yeah. if I really can't get it this time, then, you know, just keep doing the freelance stuff, just kind of figure out the steps in life because I, yeah. I don't really like rejection. I don't like rejection, rejection that much. I was still kind of too, too young. Yeah. Well, Andy, can I just say, I, I love how raw you're being and how you're sharing this, what seems to be like a low point, especially in your tech career, given how things eventually ended up for you. So I just want to thank you for, for sharing this. I mean, it's good that I'm getting it out to you because it means I don't have to write about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot, it's a lot faster just to just like talk about it instead of just yeah. writing it out sometimes. So you're going through the book. What, what happens next? Okay. So I went through just my brain was literally fried. I was kind of like, just so tired of just like reading textbook after textbook, like prep guide, prep book over prep book. Yeah. Um, this is, I think I had like a copy of Crack in the Coding interview, one of the early editions too. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, this makes no sense to me, but it's got to like, look it up. Help, I don't right? really get it. Yeah. Just keep pushing through it. Yeah. Like, okay. I don't get it. Just read the answers. Just, just skim it. Just skim it. Just get all the useful information. So I just like, I had all this surface level information just like stuck in my head. Yeah. And I was just trying to like, okay, just get interview ASAP put this into practice just before it all just kind of like, you know, falls away. Cause you know, when you don't reinforce something, it just kind yep. of falls away. That's right. The next opportunity I kind of stumbled upon was actually what led to my first job. It was a, uh, someone was a, a, like a marketer was working for a agency called Propel Marketing at the time. So a little bit of background on Propel. Um, they were owned by Newgate Media and basically the parent company was a, it was a print media company. It was a newspaper conglomerate. But of course, like print media at the time was kind of fading away a little bit. Yeah. And they, the revenue came from basically just like, you know, advertising. Um, and so uh, basically they set up this arm called Propel Marketing, which is basically like, how do we kind of tap into our network and, you know, basically offer the businesses that would ordinarily advertise through their newspaper network and bring them onto like a digital platform 
you know, they basically helped them like set up like really, you know, sites with like lead captures. You know, they had, they had like a platform CMS, not unlike kind of like a light version of WordPress. Okay. And, you know, they have ops teams or whatever. So, but basically they were looking to hire, like they had a really small team. They're looking, looking to bring someone on. And I was like, okay, again, like just, yes, like give me, give me, give me. <laughs> and so I had the, uh, I, I remember this like very well. Uh, I had my first text, like first call screening with the interim CTO at the time. He was, an, uh, he was like a VP of engineering. Okay. Um, Ajay, I love, I love him. He's really, he was a really sweet guy. I remember his question. He asked me a couple of questions, um, kind of like simple, like, you know, operation, like uh, big O operations on different data structure stuff. I remember, I remember he was asking me a question about like, um, uh, like what do you, what happens when you enter, like hit enter on a URL in a browser mm. and like walk me through that. And I remember so, like, I know the answer nowadays because yep. I'm the senior, but at the time I was kind of like, oh, well, you know, there's probably application at the back. You, you, you focus so much on like the MVC layer. I touch like nothing with the network, which mm. is like, I know is usually the bulk of what you say for the answer. Yeah. I don't know how I did on that, but for yeah. whatever reason I got invited to the, I think I did it well enough on like kind of sort of the fundamental, like the DSNA fundamental stuff that I got brought on for an interview. Nice. And my mindset as I got in was sort of like, okay, again, like I was still in that kind of like, whatever happens, happens. Don't even care about what it, don't even care about the outcome. Like pretend you don't care. Yeah. Because either you get in and yeah. great, you continue this path, that path. Well, you don't, you check all your stuff out and you just start all over again. You probably started once. You're, you know, you're still young enough. You're yeah. early twenties, you can start all over, over whenever. Yeah. I remember there was like one session where I went through like an online like online JavaScript, JavaScript exercises. Um, I somehow did well on that. Uh, there's a session on kind of like uh, uh, database table design, past that. There's a session on Ruby on Rails. Obviously I passed that because that's what I was working on. And then there was the, it's uh, like a final session with Ajay. He asked like a puzzle, like a, like a Google style teaser question. It was kind of like a, you know, given like a room, like, like let's, let's say you have like a, like an empty room and you're kind of like stuffing it with like, you know, round balloons. Like how would you kind of go about estimating like what, you know, how many you fit in there? Hmm. And it was kind of like, you know, a little bit thinking out the box a little bit, but um, I think a few days passed afterward and you know, you get, you get the, you get the email and you're like, oh, we want to follow up call with you. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah, that's different, but you know, that's still get rejected. And then of course, you know, they start the call, they start being like, thank you for applying for whatever, mm -hmm. yada, yada. You hear like the intro and you think, oh, okay. It's you think it's over. It. You think it's over, <laughs> but then they're like, oh yeah, we'd like to, we'd love to speak with you. And it's like, oh, let's see. You, mm. you, you go to the, the emotional call, yeah. it's like, oh, it's like, yeah, da, 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 da. Oh, oh, maybe it's something, oh, 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 yep. shit. Ah. <laughs> and yeah, so that, that was kind of how I got the, the first role. And I was just like so elated. My starting salary was 58K a year, mm. which I know nowadays, even for then was under market. Yeah. But given that, you know, my, you know, my family, my parents are very much like blue collar annual workers. Yeah. So for me, just like making anything that was more than their like combined salary was like, oh, I'm so lavish now. Yeah. Let me ask you about that, Andy, because I, I don't think I've ever talked about this. And I know, especially on LinkedIn, the vast majority of the times I see salary and compensation brought up, it's basically always encourages people, even those from non-traditional, just trying to break into tech to always negotiate that starting salary. I have a different opinion and uh, perhaps that is leading, but I'm curious, given what you know now, minus the CS aspect, because obviously you could negotiate based on your tech acumen, 
If yeah. you could go back in time, would you still take that 58K job for what it was and for what it did? Like, would I have negotiated up? Let me put it this way. Even if I tried to, I, I wouldn't have expected. Sure. I would have maybe asked for, like, one or two K more. Because even when you have no experience, you can always leverage a tiny bit. Yeah. Just ask them, you know, hey, can you, like, run it up at 60? Because I like even numbers. Even yeah. 58 is also even. Yeah. But I, I think, um, you know, I've never been... I mean, at that time, I wasn't really all that greedy about it. Like, again, I, my background, I thought that was perfectly fine. Like, it was yeah. something stable. I could start paying off my loans. I just start moving on yeah. from, like, little debts. I could start paying back, you know, investment that my parents made in me early on. And you get that experience, right? I mean, you've got the experience. You can always, if you're not, I guess in my mind, Andy, if you're not taken care of eventually, especially after you've been given a year or whatever to prove yourself, you can always move and you can always move to a company that will appreciate you given that year plus experience that you now have. That's my mindset, but I was curious of your own. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I never really, like compensation now is such a hot topic. Yeah. But for me at that time, like I, it, it didn't really cross my mind at all to really be like hawking for more money until honestly until like halfway through I was working my tenure at Wayfair and like until then I was just kind of like really happy to be there and I was like yeah. pretty happy to be there um you know I had a really tight-knit group of developers cohort like team members we uh we occupied this like kind of crummy I mean it wasn't that bad it was kind of crummy like ceiling attic type of space uh up upstairs from the boston children's museum hmm. if you can think of that so it's like imagine you know your mind's eye you woke up going like the massachusetts bay area transit going to the city cross a big bridge or like whatever river you know going to the side door to like a children's museum you walk past walk up the stairs or the elevator or whatever and you kind of hear a lot of like ah, kids running around it's like all this noise kind of get to the floor, top floor, you walk down a really long, dark hallway, you're kind of going through another corridor, and you're like, okay. Like, sitting at a toilet table by yourself, because the, the, <laughs> the space is way too big for a team this small. Yeah. You're doing, you, you have the headphones, not because you want to have it, but because you need to have it, because yeah. again, all the kids running around downstairs. Yep. It was, in hindsight, kind of surreal, mm. but I was just kind of happy yeah. to just, like, have a, you know, group of guys that, you know, were my I mean, they probably weren't, weren't my friends' friends, but they were the next closest thing to friends yeah. I've made in a while. So, it was And it got you ready for remote work as a parent, right? All the noise, all the kids in the background? Yes, it did. I, I guess I didn't think about that, but yeah, yeah, it's true. Okay. So so how did that play out? I, I know we've jumped around a little bit here. You mentioned Wayfair, and I think... So it looks like Amazon might come next. How did that pivot happen? So I was a... Yeah. Uh, I was a startup for three years. Um, in hindsight... I wish I moved a little bit sooner, but that's okay. So I ended up um, moving on to Wayfair. There, there were some personal reasons involved. Um, I won't get into it, but there's some stuff with like, uh, I guess I just got married basically. So I just got married around 27, like early 2017. Okay. Um, and then, you know, I, yeah, I got you know, promoted. Um, I got my first big promotion would be my first promotion, my only promotion for a while, yeah. at least an internal promotion. Um, I got a couple of races, but I was still like planning ahead. I kind of knew like, okay, I, I need to, I need to secure more just because we're doing family planning and I, it, it just wasn't like quite enough for where we wanted to be, I yeah. guess. 
I had a friend who was a, at the time, a data scientist at Wayfair and, you know, one of my, one of my uh, dorm buddies. Um, so I just contacted him and I was like, Hey, can you just put in a good word for me? And so I, 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 I didn't interview with many other companies at the time. Wayfair was just like one of a handful, but I got that role. Um, you know, the interview was like pretty similar. There's like a kind of like a, uh, object oriented design. I think it was like device, basically like design an elevator system. Um, there was kind of like a web design portion where it's kind of like, like how would you kind of uh, handle, you know, like URL structured to map to like this backend uh, search problem. It was, it was kind of weird. It was basically just like recreating the search experience, like one part of the search experience on the Wayfair website. Okay. There's another one, I think it was, I think it was database and then like a hiring manager like a hiring manager around for who went someone who was not my actual hiring manager, but basically a hiring manager around. And it, 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 like, you know, compared to my previous prep, which is sort of like, you know, starting to do a little bit more Glee Cody stuff, that was pretty straightforward. Um, so I was lucky to get that. This time I did negotiate. And I remember, I think the initial offer was like 100K base and like some amount of, it was like some amount of equity in um, like a fixed number of units based on some, like, I don't know how they, calculated the strike value because it didn't match anything, but there's, there used to be some kind of strike value. And I remember I was like, I'm going to negotiate this time. And I was going to ask, I just like asked for, I don't know what I asked for, but I remember the recruiter was kind of like, mm. I, so I made a few mistakes. A, I think I let on that I didn't have any other offers and B, mm. uh, I was still like worked for a small startup. I didn't really have much leverage. So they were sure. kind of like, it gave me that kind of, you know, they're doing their job kind of like, oh, I don't think you can, yeah. I, I, I get, I did get a bit of a raise afterward, closer to yeah. what the target was. So I was just kind of like, that's why I always tell folks, like, even if you think you have no leverage, just always ask for more anyway. Yeah. Because worst case, maybe they'll be like, oh, well, you know, it's not that much of a big deal to the bottom line. Just add another, you know, thousand, two thousand, whatever. Yeah. So you know, that was my first, <laughs> first negotiation experience, which is okay. okay. It was positive enough. So that Wayfair for a bit. Um, that was where you know you go from being like the newest kid on the block to being like you're kind of in a mid-level role. So it's a similarly small team. I was on the kind of server side. Well, everyone server side half, but really I think they call you full stack, but I was mainly server. So there's a tech league, tech lead who had about the same amount of experience as I did. Um, I just like longer tenure with the company. I had a couple of juniors under me, like new grads. Um, and I was sort of like the middle. And like, by the time I left, I was sort of like the, you know, kind of like a almost, but not quite co-lead, you know, like, mm -hmm. Big loop into a lot more decision making, doing more mentorship. Um, but again, I was sort of, I think at that time I was, I was, I realized that I wasn't, unlike my previous role, I wasn't growing like as much as before. And I kind of, you know, this is what I always tell folks when I'm doing the mentorship thing is kind of like when you're early in your career, your growth is going to like be exponential. Sure. But then it's going to start plateau a little bit more. I didn't know that at the time, but that was kind of what I was facing with as I, was looking to learn more, but I ended up being a bit too more teaching because I already accumulated a lot of experience in my startup because yeah. I was doing so many things just kind of like hand spun. It's kind of like, oh yeah, I know how all this stuff works already, um, like under the hood. So, uh, and, you know, other things like, you know, I was trying to look, go for a promotion after like a year and a half, but, you know, the we kind of had disagreements on where I was. Um, you know, I had a basically a rotating door managers at the time. So uh, I was really kind of looking for something different because I didn't, I didn't really see 
kind of the path that I was looking forward to get where I sure. wanted to be. So, um, and that's kind of like, I, I wouldn't preface this. I've never thought of considered myself like a big tech person. Like when I, I read about this too. Like when I was, you know, early on, like my dream companies, quote unquote, were like, you know, ThoughtBot, Raise Lab, like a bunch of dev agencies. Cause I just had this romantic idea of like working for a lot of different clients and getting their hands on a lot of different honeypots. Um, you know, but you know, I remember one day, I think it was like late after work and, and this is another kind of like the weirdly pivotal moments in my career mm-hmm. where, um, you know, I was, it was like after five office was sort of emptying out. There was like a couple of, so a couple of senior engineers, like, you know, a couple of tables, tables over and they're just talking about like, they were, they were having like out in the open, like conversation about like compensation, mm-hmm. who was making what, uh, just like, you know, places they'd be, been flown to because they were interviewing at these places. It was so, first of all, I thought that was like, what the heck? Like, what is this? <laughs> it was so kind of just like braggadocious. Yeah. But it was so outside of just like my realm of comprehension. Like, yep. you can do that. Right. So, I don't you know. I, I'm naive. I was a good little boy. I, I like, I did things that your company would want you to do, which is who's not talking about certain things. Yeah. But that was a little bit eye-opening because I was like, because first I was like, oh, I'm, I'm like offended that they're doing this for me, but also kind of like, what, you can make that much? Right. You can get that kind of treatment? Right. So that was kind of like, okay, I'm I'm seriously underselling myself. And actually compounding that, I had a friend from my previous company who emailed me one day and being like, oh yeah, I recently interviewed here, but that way there, but I turned out an offer. They were offering me this much. I was kind of like, what the heck? Like they have that. <laughs> right. They can yeah, do like, that? They can do that. Like pro tip to got like it's a it's a joke between guys in our like big technical bubble, but it's almost always the new hires get like way more than the folks who just are loyal internally and just yeah. get pers- it's I was just kinda like, okay, this is that was when like the whole capitalist like I discovered my inner capitalist. There and you I was go. kinda like, okay, I I've gotta do a little bit better. And coincidentally around the ever around that time I was you know, Wayfair, because it's a public company, um, it, it, they kind of get, got me some better reps, reputation on LinkedIn. So I was getting some of those calls. So yeah. I remember one day I got a, a call from a Google recruiter and I was like, and this time I was kind of like, heck yes, like bring me on. I want to yep. do this. Yep. And, uh, and I bombed it, mm. but I had lunch there and I just like seeing the space and being like, okay, this is how, this is what like next level feels like. And this is yeah. what the next level looks like. And this Goals. is like, this is the next goal. Like I have to, I don't have to get here, but I have to give myself a better chance to try. Sure. Like give myself, an, give it like an honest shot. Just like with the, my first job search where I decided like, okay, I know there's something missing. I just gotta get hundred percent and just see what happens. I bombed and for the next year, I was kind of like, okay, what do I need to study now? What are the new gaps to get to that yeah. level? And I didn't get in. Mm. I didn't get to Amazon. And that's where I ended up working next. Nice. Um, and how long were you there? I understand we're, we're almost up on our time and I definitely would be respectful time, yes, but, of yours. So at yeah. the, I, I guess I want to do the, I want to do your story credit. Can you speak to it high level? Like how long yeah, were you yeah, at yes. Amazon? The, the upsides, the so, downsides? Yeah, I was, at, uh, I was at Amazon for a year. Um, okay. So I was, I left, I joined early 2020. I basically was there January to January. Um, it was, so 
I got my offer on, I think technically it was my, like my third application. Cause it's like my very first application, which I don't count, but I applied, did the online assessment, bombed that, you know, go figure. Second onsite, I think it was like summer 2019. I went on, I did a lot more prep this time. I actually did the whole code grind stuff. Um, I got, you know, my career tells me that I got close, which mm. I felt good at the time, but nowadays yeah. I realize that, you know, they say close to a lot of folks. So okay. I was like, okay, I still need to, I still, I treat it as kind of like a no go. You still need to get better. Um, so I just kind of just like between the summer of 2019 and like late early winter, I was just kind of like, okay, just like grind harder, <laughs> just work a lot harder. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's my thing is like, if I don't know what the heck I'm doing, just do whatever I was doing, but like yeah. double the effort. Yeah. Um, and so I, like a few months later, I actually was like, I feel good about myself. You know, I was doing like the mock interview stuff as well, having to be a regular part of my routine. Um, I got like higher remarks on some platforms, like interviewing to IO I use, like, cause they have like a, uh, like a feedback system where it's, you gotta see your, your stars kind of grow over time okay. organically. And so, um, basically I, I, I messaged my recruiter like a few months later and I was kind of like, Hey, you know, I know it's a bit early, but you know, can you maybe see if they're still hiring and there? And she was actually really enthusiastic about it. She was like, oh, Andy, that's such a coincidence that you messaged me because, you know, we'd, yeah, we'd love to have you back to interview. <laughs> so, yeah, I just went through that again. I didn't even have to go to like a, the initial screen, I don't think. It's just kind of nice. like, okay, bring on site. Um, yeah. Really funny thing that happened is that I saw like some of the same questions I got the first time. Mm, that's nice. So that was like, okay. Yeah, you should know them. Yeah, you you're like, you should. Yeah, that's why I always tell folks like whatever you struggled with, go back and make sure you know right. it the second time because you might get right. it again. Yeah. But you know, like, there's some some old questions, some new questions, and I just like, you know, I I was just uh, I was I was there to impress. I wasn't I was there to impress. I was doing a job. So like, I was on the whiteboard. I you know, was like writing notes for myself. I was like writing a test suite like on the board. I was like oh, this, like I was like going nuts. So I was doing everything that you know you you wish your ideal interview candidate did, and it's just kind of like I. I knew, like I nailed every round. It was just like yeah. smiles, follow-up questions, you know, boom, boom, boom. How's your kids? How your wife? Like that kind yeah. of spiel. Like you get it done early enough, you just kind of get into it with your yeah. interview and just get that rapport. It was just like boom, 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 like. And I got an offer, and I didn't even. I, again, I didn't have leverage, but I just asked, like, hey, can you get me just you know just more? And yeah. When I by that when I got my final offer, I was like, okay, I'm just signed the dotted line because I was making like 50% more than I was at Wayfair. Wow. And yeah, that was kind of the the start of this whole thing. And as I mentioned, kind of circle it back around. You know, I liked it. Um, I, I'm in the minority. I enjoyed my experience. Yeah. I was really productive. Um, I was secure. And then COVID hit. And then folks started getting laid off. Yep. And then that was sort of to bring it all back. That's kind of how the writing started. Cause I was like, okay, okay. now I'm now like, you know, I was a passenger, but now I'm kind of like in the driver's seat where it's kind yeah. of like, I own my career. I finally feel like I've owned it. Like I've reached a level Yeah. and now it's time to really start giving back, like heavily investing the community back. Yeah. That, that's what and, I was going to ask you, Andy. So was it at that point, was it with, was it with Amazon where you, if you zoomed out and observed Andy, did you actually feel like you were a programmer, like you belonged in that field? Was it, was it at that point? I mean, I felt it, I felt it earlier, but I think that okay. was the point that really like, like punched it. Like, okay. yeah, I, 
Like, yeah, basically. And I really punched it like half a few months in. Yeah. So I remember, uh, you know, I'll keep it brief, but basically I was Amazon, I was my manager and I was being very frank because again, I left Wayfair because I wanted a promotion. I knew what I was capable of. Like I just left after leading a project that included multiple teams. And I was very frank with the manager. I was kind of like, my goal is to get promoted within this time frame. And he came back to me and was kind of like, oh, he tried to talk me down a little bit. You know, mm. and he, he's, I love him, by the way. No disrespect, I love that guy. Um, I'd hire him in an instant. Um, but he was kind of like, well, you know, you know, getting promoted, senior Amazon, big company, a lot of bureaucracy, it's really hard. Uh, you know, trying to like level me out. Like, you know, some folks are in your level. They are there for a while because it's a terminal level. There's no pressure to get promoted, yada, yada, yada. And that just kind of like lit a fire in me because it kind of evoked those like past embers where you're like, yeah. okay, we're doing this shit again. Yeah. He says, you can't do it. You're like, wash me. Yeah, wash me. And then a few months later, like I'm fast forwarding, but you know, we, it's like, I remember summertime, it was COVID remote. And I was, I think I still did the Iron Tiger on. And he was kind of like, you, I remember he talked to me and said, like, you don't need to prove yourself to me. Like, you're mm. already in, like, the upper echelon of, like, I've been, in, he said, like, I've been in this career for 20 years. You are in the better half of developers that I've ever worked with. So I was like, nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was just such a, such a relief. Yeah, getting that validation. That was, I just kind of felt like, like, I, I knew I belonged, but that was like, I belonged and I belonged at this level and yeah. I didn't have to, I didn't have to kind of like, I think that was where I really kind of like just let myself go in terms of um, a little bit being a little bit more, more brazen, yeah. both professionally and with the writing Yeah, is I kind of had that validation of like, okay, like everything I've done, like I, it's worked out. Yeah. And I, I and it, yeah. But... It's been a, like a sine wave to your point up and down. And I'm so glad you talked us through the the lows because I feel like they really help not just you appreciate the highs, but the listeners as well. And I guess I definitely, there's so much to unpack there, Andy. I definitely want to bring you back for a part two, if not more. But for now, I want to ask you, I guess if you could go back in time and if you could send yourself, your former self, a single message to kind of help you during this transition into tech, what do you think that would be? Just do the thanks, yes, major. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I think um, you know. I, I think I would have told myself that be aware of when you're starting to plateau and don't just brush it off a bit. Like, I feel like early career development is so pivotal. Like those for like one year, two year, three year, one two three. Like if you really aren't like like rocket ship to the moon then like don't be afraid to take risks yeah don't be afraid to put yourself in opportunities that give you the potential for growth and leadership because i think the more that you're able to invest in yourself early on the better you prepare yourself for when things get more technically complex and more political later on like because I, I kind of felt a little bit of that when I did my next few jobs after my first one, yeah. is I just a little bit kind of caught off guard when it came to like knowing 
how to not just what the technical skills are and like the proficiencies, but kind of like how to approach them yeah. and also how to manage kind of the people side of things. Yeah. Because anyone will tell you that people are what makes software engineering difficult and complicated. The rest is just kind of like window dressing. Once you've, yeah. once you've kind of got that, like once you hit the bar and you need, I, I strongly feel like you, there is a bar and you should hit it. But then after that, it's kind of like you, you need to be able to malleable and adjust and know at each stage of your career what are the skills that you need to know because it does differ from like junior to mid-level to senior and i think sometimes you know you can't really carry the same mindset you have to be aware that there's different mindsets you have to be in if you really want to hit that next stride in stride yeah oh, i love it where can people go andy to connect with you and to support your work just get with me on LinkedIn. I LinkedIn. <laughs> until I hit my, you know, the connection cap, which I think is like 30k. I think I only have like 12k connections to 20k followers. But yeah, just, okay. just hit me up. I'm uh, I'm very open. I'm very accessible. Um, if I don't respond to you like right away, it's probably just because I'm like having lunch or I'm helping someone sure. else. But I, I try to very, very honest to God best to like reply to every message to. Even like annoying recruiters that most other folks would just like brush off. I'm just like, eh, okay, I'll look at the description, say no, whatever. I yeah. don't know. But I, I, I do my best to be yeah. that guy. Yeah. And I can attest to that because I remember it might have been a year ago, Andy. I, uh, I was one of those that reached out with a friend request and you, you accepted and said something nice in reply. So I appreciate that. And man, I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing this part of your story. I definitely want to bring you back on and do a part two and unpack maybe more of the, uh, the 201 level stuff that I know people will be interested in. So thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your story. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's show, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on Apple or Spotify. It's a free way you can support the show and help other people just like you find the story and others like it. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to follow the show on whatever podcast application you use. And most importantly, if you know someone that might be interested in breaking into tech, tell them about the show.